Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Good morning and welcome to Collective Church. My name is Tyler. I'm one of the pastors here. I get to lead alongside of my amazing wife, Lee, and we're glad that you are with us. We're starting a new series today and it's connected to the season that we're in. Uh, I don't know how you feel and if you feel different, differently than me, it's okay to be wrong. Um, <laughs> but fall in Ontario is the best. Fall in Ontario is the greatest. We lived in Calgary, and this is how the seasons went. It snowed all the time, and then it'd be like, you'd get green, yellow, dead. That was it. And it was like in a week's time. That was fall. Coming back here, and you go out, and you see all the colors, and and you can wear a sweatshirt in the evening. Like, there's just something that's so beautiful. I was walking on Friday, and I could smell campfires, because it's still warm enough to be outside, and also it's just just Beautiful. And we recognize that a season like this is also a a shifting for many people. Whether you're going back to school or like Lee and I, you're sending your kids off to school. There's a shift that happens in the fall. And we want to understand that for many people that there also is a moment that you start to look at your life and go, do I want it to continue like this or do I want to make some changes? Typically people make changes in the fall and they make changes in the new year. And that's why we're doing a series called Real community. We want to talk about community as a church. And the tagline for this series is the way of Jesus for life together. We talk about being apprentices to the way of Jesus. And Jesus has a way of living for us. And when it comes to community, he has a way for us to live in the context of community. And I want to spend some time over the next few weeks talking about that. It's funny, I was, I was making this intro video this week, and I, I was searching for videos around community. And I was thinking, okay, community, what are, what are some of the keywords I think of? And the one I thought of was connection. It's like, so I searched for videos with the keyword connection. And you know what most of the results were? Someone sitting at their computer, someone on their phone, someone plugged in somewhere. And it's so interesting because that's become our cultural narrative. Connection is, we think more about being connected online and and having, uh, is my Wi-Fi connection working? Do I have my my three, is it down to one bar and 3G or do I have LTE? Do I have a good connection? We, We have redefined some of connection away from connecting and connecting with each other. And it's so fascinating because when you look at culturally, We are more connected technologically than ever before, and yet we are more isolated and less connected than ever, ever. All the stats that that talk about the epidemic of loneliness, which if we go based on some other criteria, we're going, well, we're doing all the things that we're supposed to do. We're, We're connected. I have so many friends, and I have all these followers, and they engage with me on social media, and yet we are lacking the relationships that actually bring us life. And for those of us that follow the way of Jesus, there is a better way. We represent something different because the other way is killing people. It's really harmful. 
And so it causes us to reflect, is this the way that we are designed to live? I'm not saying technology is bad. I am, however, saying it can never take the place of actual connection with each other. That it is a tool, it is not the end goal. And so for us to spend some time looking at that and to explore the way of Jesus for community and connection, because the reality is none of us were ever meant to live isolated lives. We were meant to do this together. And here's the thing that I want to just be upfront about as a church. Um, Sometimes you can have series and and people speak and they're like, so you should do that. And then you're like, ah, Monday comes and you're like, that was nice. And you kind of forget. There's going to be really specific attachment to this whole series. And that is that we're launching our (laughs) co-groups. Yeah, (laughs) I'm, I'm pumped. We, this side, not as pumped. This side is like, you know, this side's like, yes, co-groups. The other side's like, yeah, I guess. That's, uh, you just need to get more coffee. It's okay. I, we still love you. Uh, but our co-groups are communities that meet through the week, that actually connect with each other. And don't just go through something to like go ch- check the boxes and go, well, we did our, but to actually meaningfully connect with each other to pray with each other and for each other, to stand with each other, to go, we are in this together, in this room, regardless of the best that we can do, there's something about sitting in someone's home around a table, being together that you go, this is what it meant to be. This is what it means to be in community. The gathering is important. The space in homes is significant. And so we're gonna give opportunities to, to join co-groups, to stay, take a, a, a tangible step toward meaningful connection. In fact, uh, and don't pull your phone out and go to it right now. Well, if you're going to sign up, go for it. Uh, go to, you can go to collectivechurch.ca slash co-groups, and you can actually sign up for a co-group. We have a, a bunch that are amazing, filled with amazing people, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit it in a future week, but one of my favorite things about the way that we do co-groups is it's not just one generation, it's all generations. We need to learn from each other. Our lives, I, I think, like if you see, I think Jeff and Jody are in the back corner, so you can see them. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, round of applause for Jody. They, they, they uh, oversee and lead our prayer team, but for Lee and I, they're, they're good friends of ours. Like my life is enriched. My life is enriched because of time with them. And, and if I just spend time with people that are exactly like me in age and stage and, and all others, like I, I miss something. And I value spending time with people that are younger and people that are older and us being together. We need to be interdependent. And so I, I want you to, to know that we are strategic in each of our groups and the teams that are represented, that it represents multiple different generations on purpose. Before we dig into the passage, I want to pray for us. God, in these moments, we need you. God, I need you. Holy Spirit, come speak to us. God, I can have all sorts of great things and catchy stories and whatever I bring, but without you breathing on it and changing people's lives, I've got nothing. And so, God, I ask that you would be present with us, that you would speak to each one of us. You see each one of us and love us. Help us to find you and to take a step toward you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look at a passage in the book of Romans. And if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the Bible is split up into two major parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus splits them. Jesus represents the shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament, this new way of life. 
And after that, we find someone named Paul who writes a a bunch of the New Testament and is a really interesting person. Because Paul goes from being someone that persecutes the church and not just like, hey, uh, Christians are weirdos, but actually has them dragged out of their house and murdered. And in a moment, he meets with Jesus on a road and everything changes. And then Paul goes from being someone that persecutes the church to the greatest church planner that has ever existed. He accelerates the growth of the church, and we are here in large part because of his role. And so each of the books that he writes, they're letters to a church. And Romans is a letter to the book or to the church in Rome. And what's really fascinating, even about this letter as a whole, is Paul is speaking to a group of people that represent, in some ways, incredibly polarized culture. You have the, the Jewish religious group, and then you have the Roman pagans, and he's trying to bring them together under Jesus. And I think, man, pretty, pretty poignant book for us today. And so I, I want to look at a passage in Romans 12, and I want to read it. Romans 12, and I'm going to read 5 to 10. It'll be on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles and you have an NLT version or on your phone, you can read through it with me. Romans 12, 5 to 10. And I'm starting, there's a half sentence here, so just bear with me. It says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And in verse 9, Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. You know, the beautiful thing about a passage like this is it is jam-packed. And if we went through all of that, we'd be here for three and a half hours, and I'm thinking, you know, let's do it. Just, (laughs) Just kidding. I'm going to skip the the centerpiece, and I want to hit it in a future week because I think it deserves attention. And I want to look at the things, the passages that bracket it. And if you're in here and you're like, you're missing some stuff, I promise I will get to it. But today I want to speak to the the individual and hyper-individualistic culture that we have and how it stands in opposition to the way of Jesus. We live in a culture that is obsessed with individualism, and yet the way of Jesus is different. Now, there are two important things to understand even about this culture of individualism. The one side is this idea of hyper-individualism. And you might not be familiar with the word, but you're probably familiar with the, the idea where you go, everything is about me, 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 my desire. Everything is about what I want. Like, I'm mostly concerned about me. I'm not really that concerned about how things affect other people. I'm mostly just fixated on me. And you go, yeah, we see lots of that. The other side is what's called expressive individualism. And that is the idea that I am my own authority, not God. I get to be the one that defines everything and says this is the way I want to live. So we get such axioms as you do you. 
Follow your heart. Live your best life. Be you. Be true to yourself. Have you ever reflected on, like, the stuff that you want to do? Like, I'll be honest. The stuff that I naturally want to do isn't always stuff that's good. But if I'm going, I'm the authority, I don't look at God and say, God, what do you want me to do? I go, I want to do this. So I'm just going to do whatever I feel like it. And so we have this idol of autonomy that we come to God and we go, God, um, you know what? I want you to like bless my life, but I don't want to surrender to you. I kind of want to do it my own way. This is the culture we swim in, super individualistic, where our focus is on ourself and our own way of living. And I want to just be very clear to us that Jesus invites us to live in a countercultural way. That the way of Jesus is not that. Instead, the way of Jesus is a life that is surrendered to his leading. Jesus' way of living in all areas of our life, especially the ones we go, not that, Jesus. I'm willing to give you this and this and this. This one's off, off, off. I don't, it's off limits. And, And Jesus goes, yeah, let's start there. Because we're surrendering to him for the rest of our life, our way of living and choosing to live his way of living. And Jesus' way of living is a community that is not divorced from actually being a community. It is not a a fake community or a false community that instead just embraces individualism. Instead, the way of Jesus was always meant to be practiced together, communally. The church at its best was always, was always functioning as one body, functioning together, going, we're in this together. And through history, in moments where the church actually got this, the church exploded and impacted people significantly. And it confronts a lie, because one of the lies is you go, um, I can follow Jesus. I'm not sure I want to be part of any kind of church. Any, maybe it's not this one. Maybe it's any. I don't know that I want to do any kind of church. And I just want to let you know it's a lie. Like, you cannot follow Jesus by yourself. It was never the design. We were always meant to follow Jesus together. That is the design. And so if you settle for something less, you'll hear a passage like this and go, yeah, whatever. And you'll miss the beauty. Challenge, yes, but the beauty of what community actually looks like. Verse 5 says, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Now, this is in direct contrast to hyper-individualism, where we are part of the body. And you might even go, like, body? What is the whole body represents Christ's body, Jesus, who's at the head, and all the rest of us that play our parts to function as the church, Jesus' body. And it stands, again, directly in contrast to individualistic thinking where it's self-centered and self-focused. It's about me, me, me. We're part of something greater. We're part of, of what Jesus wants to do through his body. And Paul says we're, part, we're many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. We need each other. We're designed to work together. We're designed to function with each other according to the things that we bring. And if you're a follower of Je- the way of Jesus, this idea is not just a secondary thing. It's paramount. It's central to what we believe, that we work together that we bring what we have under Jesus and we go, we are your body. 
And for so many of us, we need to reorient our way of thinking and the patterns of our life to come in line with the way of Jesus for our life. And I think as we head into this fall, it's an opportunity for us to do that. We as Jesus followers do not, to get, do not get to buy into the lie that it's just about me, my money, my time, my space, my status. Instead, I want to remind us we were purchased at a price. Jesus gave his life for us. We are no longer our own. Our time is no longer our own. Our money is no longer our own. Our status and our home is no longer our own. It is all surrendered to Jesus. And we say, use it as you want. I'm willing to trust you with everything that I have because I know what you've done for me. And when we do that, we get to be part of the body of Christ. We get to be part of the church. And I want to just even connect it. Even for us, our name is Collective Church. And collective is a group of individuals united around a common purpose. Like that's who we are. But I want to remind, what's, what's our common purpose? We exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus. So we're united around what? Jesus. Because we are part of his body. This is who we are. And notice the second part even of that verse where it says, we all belong to each other. Now some people go, what? We belong to each other? And there are some strange people that are like, that means you have to do anything I want whenever. That does not mean that. Like, let me just be very clear for any of us that are like, does, do I have to help them move anytime they ask me to? Do I have to like just go over? Because they're like, you belong to me now. I belong to you. You belong to me. So I'm calling this in. No, that is not what it means. Instead, this speaks of what it means, the, the beauty of being interdependent. That we, that we are, are actually dependent in each other, see, on each other. See, there are parts of us that we wrestle with that, especially in North America in 2022, where you go, I'm okay with being interdependent as long as I can remain somewhat independent. But that's not the way of Jesus. Instead, we, we need each other. We cover each other's weaknesses. We, where there's a need, we bring what we have and we meet that need. We're dependent on each other. That, that This place in the body is for all of us, and we recognize this is all interconnected. We are interconnected. And in order for us to live in a way where people around us actually see Jesus in everything that we do, it requires every single one of us to work together. Even when I think about the body as a whole, it's not just one church. It's not just collective. It's all the churches. All of us functioning together. I love being able to spend time with other churches and being reminded we are part of one church. All of us functioning together as the body of Christ. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And I want to skip that middle section and go to verse 9 where it says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I, I would imagine if you do some reflection around you, we've seen a lot of pretending in the last little bit of what love looks like. Listen, I'll love you as long as you agree with me. I'll love you as long as you appear to agree with me. I, I love you as long as you say the right things or post the right things. But, but if we disagree, I, I don't know that, like, just, you, you, better, you better go distant. I don't, want any, I, want, I don't want anything to do with you. And I, I saw people, uh, even on social media, they were like, if you voted, take your pick. In Canada, if you voted for the, we don't need to be friends anymore. Really? That's what we're down to? 
Hey, unless we align on every single thing, can I just let you in on a secret of marriage? Lee and I don't agree on everything. And that's good. We agree on the central things, I hope. (laughs) But there are things about our dynamic that are different. Since when did we think that love is contingent on, if we agree on every single little thing and any secondary stuff? It's no wonder we are so anxious as people. Because we're constantly going, what if I do something wrong and that person rejects me? What if I accidentally say something wrong? What? And then they just go, you know what, I'm done with you. This way of conditional love is not the way of Jesus. That Jesus' love is conditional. It is unconditional. Let's be clear. Unconditional. <laughs> His love is, he's not looking at us going, um, you know what? Uh, I know you surrendered your life to me, uh, but like, Now, uh, you got work to do to earn my love. But it's also a reminder that even though his love is not conditional, Jesus' love is not cheap. Cost him his life. And so we are invited to to actually define love. Do, Do I define love and how I love others in the way that Jesus defines it or my own way because love here is not defined how we define it culturally love culturally is you let me do whatever i want you do whatever you want we love each other but that's not the way of jesus because the way of jesus actually says love is about wanting the best for each other not just what you want what god wants for you we want the best for each other because notice even in this verse it talks about love and you're like Some of us go like, yes, love. You know what the next line is? Hate what is wrong. And you're like, whoa, how did we uh, go? Listen, I'm down with the love, down with the love. Hate what is wrong? Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. And you're thinking like, Paul, bro, I was with you. I don't, I thought we're not supposed to hate as Christians. Like, what do I do with this? And I was, I was doing some, some reading just about, because I'm like, yeah, what, what does, like, is this word actually hate as we, as we define it? And I was going to, I was going to put the Greek word up on the screen and try to get someone to read it, because, actually, let's just put it up. I think it's in the slides, right? Yeah. It's not what you, th- I, I try, I had to watch a video, and then I was like, I even spelled it out phonetically, and I'm like, nope, nope. I might call it an insecurity, whatever, <laughs> But what does that word mean? This word that, that this translation is saying is hate. That the word here actually speaks to revulsion. You ever find something revolting and you're like, oh, gross. That our view of what God defines as wrong, we should just, it just should feel wrong and gross to us. Like we should not be lukewarm to it. Uh, the word hate is, is a serious word, right? We should look at the things that do not align with what God says and go, oh, I want nothing to do with that. That, that's, that stands in opposition to some of the cultural narratives. And then it also begs the question of going, how do we know? How do we know what's good? How do we know what's wrong? All throughout humanity, we as human beings have tried to tell God what's good and what's wrong. Actually, ever since the beginning, if you were to go back into Genesis 3 and Adam and Eve, and they're, they're redefining good and evil depending on their desires and their ideas. And all it does is create a wedge because God goes, I have a way of life and you can choose that or 
And so we look again and we read the Bible and we go, okay, I, I want to I I discover what are the things that are wrong? What are the things that, that Jesus is saying are, are not in line? And I know sometimes we go, well, I don't, Jesus was really gracious. And, and he was, but if we think that he was not, didn't hold us to a high standard, we're probably not reading the Bible. Because you read the Sermon on the Mount, and, uh, and, and I think it's Matthew 5 to 7, the, all the chapters. But you read that, and you're like, whoa, Jesus went hard. Like, Jesus was not soft on this is what it means to live our life in, in, align, or in, in alignment with God. And I, I think it's fitting that it's saying, don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend, like, listen, I love you as long as, you know, we're good and we avoid anything that's uncomfortable and you kind of, you do your thing, I do my thing. Don't just pretend to love each other or love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong and hold tightly to what is good. Now, can I just tell you, this is why our co-groups are so essential. Because this is an environment where we can do that. Where we can love each other and also hold each other to a higher standard. Like to say to each other, um, I, I want more for you than this. I don't want you just to settle into this pattern. Like it's so easy for us to look at people and notice their cycles of dysfunction and to ignore it in our own lives. <laughs> like we see our friend and we're like, wow, you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. And they're like, I don't know why this keeps happening. You're like, I do, right? And in our own life, we're like, no, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I- I've got things covered. The beauty of community is that our friends and the people that we're getting to know that love us and love God are able to go, hey, I noticed some things. Can we talk about it? Hey, I noticed some things that are out of alignment, or I noticed some things that are maybe discordant from what you want and what you are doing. Can we, can we work through it? Can we help each other to see blind spots? And can I just communicate? That's not just for other people. That's in my own life, too. Like, I need people in my life that I know love me and love God that are willing to say, hey, have you noticed this? And part of it is I also need people that love me and love God that when I'm choosing to do the right thing, like, can I just be honest? When you do the right thing, it often is harder and it costs you more. And so you do that. If you try to do that by yourself, inevitably what happens? You're like, I'll just take the easy way out. I I feel that. I feel this tendency, if I'm not around other people that are going, keep going, keep going, keep going, this is the right thing, you, you can feel pulled in a different direction. And instead, community says, we're in this together, we can, we can move towards the way of Jesus together. We hold tightly to what is good as a community. And we help each other not to settle for less. We choose to embrace this apprenticeship to Jesus in all areas of our life where we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do what he did, we do that together as fellow apprentices going, I'm on a journey just like you, and we're going to hold tightly to, to what is good and right, and we're going to hate what is wrong, and we're going to choose a different way. And when we do this, we will find verse 10 becoming true, that we will love each other with genuine affection. One of the risks of community is our tendency to to idealize it. We can say, I want community, and forget that that it also means we have to open ourselves up to people. We're like, well, I don't think I want to do that. But I I want to connect with someone. I want to really build a relationship. But I could get hurt. Yeah, there's a, there's a risk to it. 
There, there's a cost to letting people into our lives. Or we can go, I want community. They better not hurt me. Can we just, like, as lovingly as we can acknowledge, none of us are perfect? Like, I wish that somehow I could promise you, if you get into co-groups, that no one will ever say anything that offends you. That would be a lie. Because we all say stuff that offends each other. The question becomes, what do we do when that happens? Do we run away or toward? When we recognize that we're all human beings, none of us are perfect, do we, do we run towards, okay, we're going to work through this or we run our way? Diedrich Bonhoeffer has this quote, and if you've never read him, he's fascinating. He was a Christian that, that was doing something significant all while Nazi Germany was at its peak, and he was trying to present an alternative, and he was doing amazing, amazing things. And he has this book on community called Life Together, and he says this, the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community, but the person who loves those around them will create community. How beautiful is that? Because I've seen it. If your idea of community does not connect it to people that you love, it becomes this idealized thing that people will let you down. But if you actually love people, genuinely love people through their mess and their, their triumphs, all of it, then inevitably what we find is we actually find community. This is one of my things that I, I love so much about Collective is that in the team, we, we've walked through some things. We've worked through some things. There's been challenges and misunderstandings and all of that. And we've went, no, but we love each other enough that we're going to fight for this. Because it's easier to cut and run. It's easier. And culturally, it's really easy. And yet the way of Jesus is something different. Verse 10, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. We put others above ourselves. We honor, and we honor especially when it isn't easy. This is what it means to really love each other. When it is difficult, we do it anyway. And I think about that way of life, even what Paul is unpacking, and I think, imagine if we did that. Imagine the impact that that would have for our communities as they started to go, this is different. This is something that I have not seen. We love each other relentlessly. We even love each other enough to, to lovingly confront each other, to challenge each other to grow. We serve each other. We honor each other. And, like Paul, we delight in all of it. All of it is a gift to us. You know, the early church had this, and as a result of it, they reached millions and millions of people and you went from like this is fascinating to me of the early church that went from being a persecuted minority to where there were so many people getting saved that the roman government was like we should maybe not persecute them because they're way more than us like the percentage was enormous millions of people coming to faith because of ordinary people going we are going to be different we're going to communicate community differently we're going to serve people differently we're going to love people differently. I, I, there's a, a vow of stability that I read this summer that has stuck with me. There's this community called the, the Benedictine uh, community of, of monks. And I don't know, anyone want to be a monk? Anyone going like, monk, yes, probably not. <laughs> but there's been things about, uh, about some of the history of the early, or of, of the church that I found really fascinating. And I stumbled on this vow of stability that, the, that these Benedictine monks Gave. And I want you to just listen because I think there's some 
brilliant beauty in this. We vow to remain all our life with our local community. We live together, pray together, work together, relax together. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of an ideal situation. Ultimately, there is no escape from oneself. And the idea that things would be better someplace else is usually an illusion. And when interpersonal conflicts arise, we have a great incentive to work things out and restore peace. This means learning the practices of love, acknowledging one's own behavior, giving up one's preferences, and forgiving. Can you imagine a community like that? Like even when I read it, I go, that lie, it just stuck with me. I was going, this is so in opposition to our culture. We give up the temptation to move from place to place in search of an ideal situation. Like there's so much of us that were like, maybe it'll be different here. And they even say, you can't run from yourself. Like I know people that they have baggage and they think, okay, if I go to this new thing and if I have this new relationship, if I get this new job, then it'll all be fixed. And they're dragging pounds and pounds of of baggage with them going, it's still there. Maybe if I run faster. And instead, what we see even here is you go, uh, we're going to commit to this. And it doesn't say, and if interpersonal conflicts arise, it says when. What are we going to choose? Work things, we're going to work things out and restore peace. And I love here, is, as a dovetail to Paul talking about love, is that it talks about the practices of love here. And again, these are countercultural. Acknowledging one's own offensive behavior. Woo! Can you imagine how much we would have avoided over the last few years if we did that? If people were like, hey, I was offensive there. Um, shouldn't have posted that. Shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Oh, like suddenly we went, wow. Or what about uh, giving up one's preferences? Like the idea, it's not about me. Imagine what would have happened. Imagine what would happen if we actually did that. We go, that's eh, not about what I want. I'm actually willing to love each other enough to go, I, I want the best for other people. I do want to let you know, um, as, I, as I read this uh, early in the summer, I was like, God, that's my commitment to collective. That's my commitment. Come hell or high water, all the difficulty, all the challenges, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I'm staying. I, I, want, I, want to, I, want to, I want to end well. I want to think about the end, and I want to, I want to live in the kind of community that actually does this. I want to, I want to model it first. And recognizing, like, this vow is not one you should ever take lightly because it costs pretty much everything. And yet I go, this is what I believe we need to do. This is what I believe I need to do. Now, just, I'm not, I'm not sharing that vow with you because I'm like, let's all give it together. Because I go, you, if that's something you're thinking about, you should take that very seriously. But I would ask you to reflect. Are you... Are you actually willing to embrace the kind of community that Jesus invites us to live into? Because we can hear all that stuff and go, yeah, love each other and and be for each other and forgive each other and and challenge each other. Are you actually willing to live in that way? And even more than that, what are you going to do about it this week? Because sometimes we live in the, like, yeah, when I finally, then I, then I will. Yes, that sounds great. But when, when people don't hurt me and my feelings, then I, when I get a few things in order, no. What does it look like for us to go, I'm going to do that right now? 
Now, I want to give a, a clear call to action, and then I want to double down even more. Uh, I want to challenge you to join a co-group. And don't join it with an idealized version of community where it's like these people are going to fix every problem I've ever had. But join it where you go, I can join a community of people that actually love me enough to not leave me where I am. We're going to navigate things together. We're going to have disagreements at times, and yet we're going to fight to restore peace with each other and figure out a way forward. We're going to grow together. We're going to pray together. We're going to take communion together. We're going to celebrate together. We're going to eat together. Take a step towards a co-group. Listen, the value of collective church is not just when we gather together, but instead all the moments that we get to represent the church outside of these places. Following Jesus is not a one day a week activity. Don't try to do it by yourself. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you, sign up for a co-group. You can actually go to Next Steps and sign up right there. You don't even have to wait. Or you could pull out your phone right now and go to collectivechurch.ca slash co-groups. <laughs> if you are a follower of the way of Jesus, I want to challenge you even further. Okay, I want to look. Romans 12 verse 16 says this. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. You know, all around us right now, there are people with big questions that are wrestling with, why is the world like this? What is purpose? Why do I exist? All the things that they're wrestling with. And, and we can find even what we see in this passage from Paul, this idea of don't think you know it all. There are some people in uh, the Christian community that's like, I have every answer to every question you've ever had. No one likes to be around those people. Most of us are on the other side. We're like, I don't know enough. I don't, I don't have the answers. I, I don't know. What if someone asks me about this? And I go, I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and so what do you do with that? Well, one of the things that we're going to be doing this, this fall is launching something called Alpha. And Alpha is a place that's over 12 weeks where people can actually ask questions. And wrestle with. And, and the goal of Alpha isn't just to rush people to, uh, well, the Bible says that this, 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 and this. Though there is so much truth to that, it's actually to go, Holy Spirit, change our hearts and draw us close to you so we can actually hear the truth. And Alpha is an amazing thing for people that are unchurched or have questions, and we're going to launch it. There are people around each of us that don't yet know Jesus, and we can be part of a tangible step to help them to find Jesus. You can be part of their story of finding Jesus through Alpha. And so we're launching Alpha on the, the 22nd. Uh, Lee and I are going to be hosting it in our home. And my encouragement would be to, to actually think about who could I invite and even better, who could I bring? You know the difference between, hey, you should go versus come with me? hey, do you want to come with me? Um, I promise on behalf of Lee and I that to our best of our ability, we just want to create a, a hospitable environment where people feel at ease and we watch God work. And we're not trying to force God to do anything. We're not doing, if I do these seven steps, then God has to move. But instead, we're going to create space for God to move powerfully. If your invite, if your bringing led to someone finding Jesus, wouldn't it be worth the risk? Here's the promise, here's the promise that uh, Lee and I make before you. We'll never ask you to do something we're not doing first. That's why for us, we're going to open our home. We're going to have strangers in. 
and we're going to love them well, and we're going to watch what God does. And I want to encourage you to take a step and respond in that way, to, to think about who you could bring and who you could invite. I want you to imagine with me the stories that we could tell at the end of this first session, as, at the end of this first semester as Alpha, and the part that you could play in that. So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to join a co-group. I want to challenge you to think about who you can bring to Alpha. And I want to challenge you to even go back and this week read Romans 12, 5 to 10. And go, God, what in this have I settled for less? Where are you challenging me? Where are you confronting me? What are you asking me to do? As we launch our co-groups, we're going, to have, uh, we're going to have a bunch of co-groups and we're going to leave them open because we're believing that people are going to join, not just in the short period of time, but over time. And we're going to be able to do significant, through, significant things through this semester as a church, through this year as a church and beyond. And we want you to be part of it. We want you to experience what we believe God is building at Collective. And so uh, I know all the excuses. Like, I know all the things that we think. I, I have moments where you're like, you know, well, my life is really busy. We have kids. Your kids need to see a life that is lived connected. Like, they need to know that they are part of something so much greater. This, it's not easy to follow Jesus. And they need to know I am not alone. I have family and not just my blood family. I have people that are with me and for me, that love me, that are standing with me. Or maybe you're a student and you go, my, my schedule's really busy. And I, you know, the inclination might be like, I'm going to flake out. Don't. You will not somehow magically establish patterns once you arrive, whatever that is. Finish school, then I'll connect with people. No. You won't do it. If you don't do it now, fight for that. Fight against the lie that says, I, I, I'm so busy. We're all busy. So let's just, we can stop saying it. We're all busy. We have lots going on. Is it important? We make time for things that are important. Can't follow Jesus by ourselves. I don't know what lie there might be that, that puts you where you're like, I'm not sure. You know what I would do? This is like the pastor move. Why don't you ask God about it? See what he says. I, I believe that this season for us as a church will be significant. Join a co-group and invite someone to Alpha. And let's see what God does. I want us to, to respond in worship. We're gonna, I'm going to pray and then we're going to worship together. God, I am so grateful. I am so grateful that you invite us to build your church. I'm grateful that there are people around us that desperately need to know you. And you put them in our past so we could be part of it. God, give us the courage to take whatever next step we need to take. And whether this person, if we invite someone, whether it all works out perfectly like that story or simply we just step into obedience knowing that you are at work in the lives of people, God, help us to do it. Help us to fight for community. Help us to fight for real connection. Help us to fight against the cultural lies of what community looks like and instead to embrace your way of living. God, in every single way, shape us and form us together. And as we are human beings who are imperfect, God, give us grace for each other. Help us to confront the lies that we believe in community. 
Help us to pray for each other and fight for each other. God, I pray against any any opposition that we might face. And I pray that the opposition even would remind us that you are at work guiding us. God, I speak against the lies that we might believe and live into. God, have your way. Guide us closer. We fix our eyes on you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look at you and we say, I want you. Change us. We need you. In Jesus' name. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you Sunday.